I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, a graphic novel about a young artist and a mentor. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 297, Osmosis. And it might should be called mentor, but I like the word osmosis, and you will hear it in this discussion because today is a short show. Today is a book-oriented show, a show I cut out of one of the previous episodes to let it stand alone. Today is a short show to remind you and me that everyone learns differently. For some people, picking up a how-to book is exactly the right approach. Some people like to copy or imitate the work of others, examine it, practicing what they love in others until they see how it works, scrutinizing, studying, analyzing, observing, trying, modeling. Some people love workshops and thrive on assignments and having someone else tell them what to do. Someone else setting up the sequence, the order, the novelty, the shifts in direction or medium, the challenges. Some people like workbooks that guide you through the process. Here's an idea. Now you do it. Some people really need to just learn by doing their own thing and by doing. And then some people learn by osmosis something a bit harder to describe, a bit more whimsical, the old image of a student who falls asleep with her head on the book and wakes up knowing the information, which never happens, and that is always the warning when you are studying for tests or exams when you're in school. Wouldn't it be nice if things were so easy? Or if you're a pop culture fan and you watched Limitless, you have to have admired the way he could devour information and learn anything master anything in a short period of time. Wouldn't it be nice? So we learn in all kinds of ways. And sometimes, maybe most often and always, we learn over time. Simply by doing, by doing and doing and doing again. No matter how many classes or workshops or books or workbooks you do, you learn by doing. Attending a class won't make you an artist if you don't do the work and learn from the process of doing. Looking at a book won't make you an artist if you don't try and put into practice what you are seeing and reading. When it comes to art, education requires doing. It requires a current point and forward progress. It involves uncertainty and wish and hope and want and belief and doing And doing and doing and doing and doing again, because number one may not be as good as number two, and number three may be even better, and number 28 may be even better, and then number 42 may not be as good. And we go back and forth again and again and again. But overall, some total, you're going to get better. The more you do, the more you get better. But that doesn't mean that there are not things to learn, and things to learn from others. Sometimes we absorb information by watching others and taking things in, even if it is unconscious. Someday we 
look back and see little vestiges of things picked up here and there. No matter what your medium, this can happen. It happens all the time. We learn, we borrow, we combine, we create our own approach, we add little bits and pieces. This is the way it happens. This is the way it happens again and again and again. We are always learning. And as we get to a point where we are comfortable with one thing, maybe we start trying something else, something new, something that feels again uncertain or again difficult. We are constantly trying to add to what we know. Okay, now I can draw a face, but what about a hand? Okay, now I can draw a face, but what about a body? Okay, now I can draw a face, but what about the full thing? We try and try and try. We keep adding to what we are trying to do. We build our skill set. We grow, we develop, we mature. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. There are always points at which you are a student, and you may find that you are always a student. There is always something to learn. That is exciting. There's always something to learn. It keeps us moving and reaching and striving and staying alive. The point at which you think there is nothing else to learn about what you enjoy, you need to look around and find something else. You shouldn't reach that point. There is always something to learn. But at the point at which you feel like you have nothing else to learn, it might be time to try something else. So I have a book for you today. And it is a book that is partly interesting because it is a graphic novel, which is something I love. It's partly interesting because it is a how-to book. And it is partly interesting because this is a story that makes us think not only about how we learn, but about how we pass on knowledge, how we give back, how we interact with other people at different points in their own creative journeys. This story makes us think about the role of mentors, the role of teachers in our lives, teachers at different points in our lives, about the fact that not everyone has the benefit of a teacher or has the ability to find a mentor or will ever ask someone to serve as a guide or coach or mentor or teacher. Maybe we all need a Mr. Miyagi. I would certainly like a Mr. Miyagi. Sometimes we think of mentors only for the young. We grow up, we get old. We don't think we could benefit from a mentor. We don't have models and pictures of that relationship, of what that looks like, and what that looks like without a cost. We grow up, we get old, We don't think we could benefit from a mentor, or we don't think there is a way to have a mentor. It is certainly a myth. It is a myth worth unpacking that once you grow up and once you get old, whatever that means, once you get old, you no longer need a mentor. Definitely a myth worth unpacking. Thinking about mentors also brings up communities, how community dynamics work, what we need, what we want, what we give, who we believe in and why how we present ourselves and our work and our experience, what we have to give, how we come across. Pedantic is an eight-letter word. It's a refrain I hear in my head time and time and time again. Pedantic, 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 pedantic is an eight-letter word. Think about how you interact, how you interact, what you're looking for and what you have to give. Mentors. As we grow up, we call them different things, maybe, and maybe we overlook the importance of mentors. Maybe we've never had one, 
or never known how to find one. And certainly that doesn't get easier as we get older. Like making and finding friends, finding a mentor can be complicated as you get older. Mentoring, it's a special relationship, part teacher and part support system. This book raises some really interesting questions about what mentors do and the role of both cheerleading and support and critique. There is a tough love thread in this book. I warn you now, and I'm going to say it again when I talk through the book, there's a tough love thread here. It was fascinating, and reading this book made me think about mentors. Not something I think about often, not something I have, not something I would have any idea how to find. And yet, what a wonderful thing to think about, having a mentor. We all need a Mr. Miyagi. We can all benefit from that. Think back through your history. Have you had that person at different points in your life? Maybe not in art, maybe in other ways. Maybe as part of a school scenario. Maybe you had a series of mentors who made a difference. So this book does raise a lot of questions. Some total, I found it to be a really interesting read. I think this book has something to teach the wannabe artist, someone specifically who wants to learn how to draw. I found that I learned something from this book, even though I didn't expect to. I didn't even realize the degree to which I had absorbed this book until several nights later when I was working on something of my own and suddenly thought about one of the lessons in this book and understood it in a completely different way and understood it in how it applied to what I was doing and what I could do with that and how I could use it. So I read the book out of curiosity. But as someone who draws and who has not taken classes really, it was very interesting to read these introductory lessons that this person gives to the main character. That the lessons are provided in graphic novel form makes this book a delightful twist on your typical learn-to-draw book. I really, really, really like the idea of this being a graphic novel that chronicles this drawing course. It's not a course, but it's a series of lessons. And once it's all bundled up as this story, it becomes this mini course, this get started learning to draw. I'm a total sucker for graphic novels, totally. In part, I like the speed of reading. I like the way words work. I like how slimmed down and stripped down things are. I also love YA, and I especially like the combination of graphic novel and YA. So when I found a graphic novel called The Drawing Lesson, a graphic novel that teaches you how to draw by Mark Crilly, I was immediately interested. Now, this could go either way. It really could but I really liked it. There are some quirks here. I'm going to be honest. There are some quirks, but overall, I enjoyed the reading. I wish it hadn't ended. I wish I could get more lessons from this teacher-student relationship that I got to see. I wish it hadn't ended, and I learned something. So this is a book I'm going to recommend that you check out from the library, but I want to tell you about it because I think you'll enjoy and maybe pick something up from the secondhand story, even if you're not able to get your hands on this for a firsthand look. In this graphic novel, a young boy sees a woman drawing in the park, and he stops to look over her shoulder and admire her work, and he begs her to be his teacher. The style of this book is sparse. It is very manga-driven, I would say. 
I really had the impression of manga, especially in the expressions on the characters' faces, the way they are drawn. There's a strong manga feel to me. After I finished, I was actually surprised even to read the book jacket more carefully and realize that the artist lives in Michigan, but he has written a few books on manga. So there you go. The connection was there and my sense of that style was affirmed. The woman in the book, the artist in the park, her name is Becky, and she isn't set up to be a teacher. I honestly don't know what she does. I really don't. But she likes to draw and she draws in the park. And when she's asked to teach David, She's reluctant, but the boy, David, is persuasive. Please teach me how to draw. Please, I got to learn to draw like this. It's my dream. Pretty much all of his dialogue is kind of like that. And so she agrees to give him a lesson. And lesson one is about seeing. She guides him through an example of drawing an object in front of him and then examining it to see what is wrong, what is not quite right for the watch that he was drawing. And David thinks things are close enough, but that is not good enough, she says, for a serious artist. Now, I can imagine that some of you will immediately not like this approach. I can definitely hear you grumbling about this approach. And this is a very specific approach. It is a very fine art approach. Having watched a student go through a fine art program, I do know that this is not an uncommon approach. Some of you don't want to draw something exactly like what you see, and some of you are quite happy with close enough, but there is value in learning the fundamental skills that underwrite our drawing. There are times when Becky seems mean, maybe even stern. It's during the first lesson that David suggests she only tell him the good stuff about what he draws, and she gets very stern. David, I am not a cheerleader. You don't get better at things by pretending that you never make mistakes. And David takes things pretty well, really, and he is persistent. And Becky finds out that she isn't going to be able to shake him. She agrees to give him another lesson sometime in the park, but he tracks her down at a coffee shop and then on another day at her house. So, okay, these are things we don't really want our kids to do. But if we just focus on the interactions... Becky's exasperation with David is comical. His persistence and enthusiasm is both exhausting and slightly endearing. Some of his questions would clearly be tiresome. But the lessons Becky gives him are really well done. The actual art content here was really well done. It's all the in-between stuff that is a little more iffy. But the lessons are well done. When he catches her in the coffee shop, she gives him a lesson on shading. Like many of you who might balk at doing exercises that don't have a lot of personal meaning, David isn't thrilled to have to draw a chair cushion. He wants to draw cool things. I want to learn how to draw cool stuff like a Ferrari, he says. But he works on the pillow. And she shows him how to hold his pencil for shading, how to add lines in the direction needed to add form, how to work on smoother lines, how to build up tone. When he catches her at home, she gives him a lesson in sketching. Looser lines to start to help get everything in place before final lines are added. He does his sketch, and as they do in all the lessons, they then stop to examine it. And Becky points out how things are not exactly as they are in real life. Something is too tall or too short or not rounded enough or not at the right angle. And learning to see those differences, those things that might be wrong, is part of the learning. 
and is part of developing your eye and your skill and your ability. Once you can see it, you can try and fix it or try and do it better the next time. On another day, they work on light and shadow, understanding cast shadows, reflected light, a bit of light in the shadowed area where light is bouncing up off the surface. A really excellent example. And on another day, because he keeps begging to do these lessons one after the other, they cover negative space. And this is a really good chapter in the book, a really good lesson. The way she shows him how to understand negative space and how to use negative space to help refine drawings how to anchor things in place and understand how things fit together is really well done. Their next meeting is in an art museum and they cover proportion. The next lesson covers simplifying complicated things like the leaves on a tree. Then there is a lesson on composition, on deciding what is in the picture, what you include, what is around it, what angle you choose, and how you fill a page. In the final lesson, they are again at a museum, and Becky challenges David to do a drawing of a statue and to bring all the lessons together into one drawing. And he does a lovely drawing, which is good because he doesn't know it yet, but their time together has come to an end. When he drives over to her house the next time, she is moving. She's not getting ready to move. She's not contemplating moving. There is a moving van there, and she is moving. And this is a completely unexpected twist in the story. She's moving out. The truck is being loaded, and she wasn't going to tell him goodbye. I still can't quite fathom that happening in this story. And it's a sad goodbye. It really is. I am still so unhappy and so disappointed that she wasn't going to tell him. But so much of this story, of course, isn't realistic. Yet it's a sad goodbye. And the epilogue, though, is nice. The epilogue brings things full circle. David as a grown man drawing in the park. So what did I think? What did I think that I didn't already say in and around that summary, that plot summary? What did I think? The strange sternness of Becky was really disconcerting for me. It was almost bizarre to read. It made me a bit hesitant to recommend this book. I'll put it that way. The story is definitely surface level. These are not fully fleshed out characters. They're really not. It's not that kind of story. And for the art lessons, they don't really need to be. And if you think about it, when you work with a mentor, you often don't really know much about the mentor. Or when you work with a teacher, you go, you get a lesson, and you leave. And hopefully the mentor or the teacher has his or her own life going on that you really don't need to know about. That doesn't quite excuse the level of surface in this book. But I still think it works okay because the art lessons are what is really key. So even though I feel like there was very little sense of character, I can overlook that in the book. Becky's rapid switches from supportive to stern and back was, though, something that surprised me again and again and again. The forwardness of David, on the other hand, it is certainly exaggerated. He is exuberant. He is so excited about learning, but excited to the point of being over the top. Where does he live? Where are his parents? Do they know he is stalking this artist he met in the park? Does he not go to school? There are a lot of questions here. There are a lot of gaps and a lot of holes. The likelihood of this kind of mentorship happening and unfolding in quite this way today in this world, in the real world, not likely. I say that as a parent, not 
likely. Not sure how old David is, but not likely. At least not in my world. So the story raises lots of questions and definitely requires your willing suspension of disbelief, but it's still fun. And there's still something compelling about watching this mentorship unfold. And the lessons are great. What Becky teaches David seems really useful. There's a definite emphasis on realism, but she is, as I said, teaching him important fundamentals, which will give him a foundation. And like I said, I picked up a few things, things that I've never been taught or considered in any technical way, things I've heard about in passing or seen in books and never really tried to put into use. And suddenly, somehow in seeing this story and Becky's lessons, things clicked. And that might sound surprising. I'm not 10. I'm not 21. I'm definitely not new to pen and ink. But I picked up a thing or two. Definitely had a moment of using something I picked up. So Becky served her role for me as well. I better understood my own sketch and how to sort something out. Those of you with young artists, see if your library has it. It's a quick read. They will probably read it a time or two and then be done. And there are suggestions for practicing along with David at the end of each chapter. So there's a little bit of workbook to it. Given the tone Becky sometimes has, you should probably read it first just to feel comfortable with this kind of teaching. Like I said, she does bounce back and forth between friendly and exasperated or strict. This is clearly relayed in her expressions. But in his intro, the author writes, quote, mentors are not always gentle, and they certainly aren't there just to be your personal cheerleader. But a mentor can truly change the way you see the world, and in so doing, change your life altogether, end quote. And I think that quote sets the stage for exactly how this book plays out. The time and attention Becky does give to David, it clearly has a profound effect on him. It is a wonderful passing on of knowledge and experience. So, if you can, check it out. You might learn a thing or two. Or you might wish you could stumble over someone in the park who will give you a set of lessons. Maybe you'll find someone at the coffee shop. And share this book with your young artists, too. They might learn something about art, and they might learn something about giving back. About what happens when you give what you have. When you share your knowledge. Even when it is inconvenient even when you have your own problems, even when you won't get anything in return, other than the knowledge that you helped another artist. And there's something to be learned from that, too. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for today. That is it for episode 297. I wanted to tell you about this book. I had mixed thoughts on the book. I flipped through the book more than once. I did read through all these lessons, and I went back and forth about how I felt about Becky, but it did give me a lot to think about. It really did. I don't think we talk about mentors all that often. I do think it would be wonderful to walk in the coffee shop and see someone drawing and say, hey, can you teach me a thing or two? I can't quite imagine it working that way, but maybe there is some way to create something that you don't yet know. And maybe... You have it in you to be a mentor to someone else and to give back in little ways, even comments here or there. As always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available at creativitymatterspodcast.com. 
You can find out more about supporting the show at patreon.com slash creativity matters. Thank you to those of you who do support the CMP through Patreon. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Hydless. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy. And I spend a great deal of time in the Creativity Matters group at Facebook. It is a group you need to request to join. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.